0: Hi, Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and happy week after Thanksgiving. <laughs> we are here
0: in Virginia with Daddy and Ashley. Hello, hello, hi, hello. guys. Hello. Daddy
2: here. Daddy, Daddy here. here.
0: This is like our annual have down the podcast episode. Um, so today we've gathered some of your health questions. We asked for we asked for health questions, um, but a lot of you guys wrote in um, general anesthesia questions we could tackle all of it here. So I think Lauren and I are going to ask some random health questions that seem commonplace in this world. Like everybody just like kind of throws these terms around, but maybe you guys Mm. don't know. You don't get what it actually means. So, Dan, I'm going to throw you a real, a real easy one. Why is it bad to have high blood pressure?
2: Oh, there's lots of reasons why it's high bad to be high blood pressure. Um, One, it puts a strain Mm -hmm. on your heart, and over time, you know, like every other muscle, if it's pushing against too much pressure, it can start to get weak. Um, High blood pressure is also associated with uh, atherosclerosis or hardening of the arteries, not only inside the heart but outside the heart too, and inside your brain as well. So it it puts you at risk for stroke, it puts you at risk for heart attack, it puts you at risk for having... uh, clogged arteries in your abdominal aorta and in your legs. So um, it, that's why it's bad. Is a
0: heart attack always caused by a clogged artery? Because that's what I believed it was the case when I was younger.
2: Mm, most of the time, there are certain circumstances where, uh, especially for people who use cocaine, oh. um, they can get coronary artery spasm mm-hmm. where there, if there's no coronary artery disease, um, if the artery kind of like snaps shut because of uh, the effects of the, the uh, cocaine, you can have a heart attack from that. But can also, you tell?
1: cocaine, you, it can also be like high doses of Adderall, maybe?
2: Any stimulant, but Any stimulant. It's, usually, it's usually associated with uh, cocaine.
0: I'm pretty sure I had a heart attack that day that I took your vivance. Well, you 100% did not have a heart attack, but. Can you have a heart attack and then like it'd be done and then you just go on?
2: Yes. It happens all the time. Oh god. Uh, I upon, had a heart attack
0: in my room in Syracuse.
2: I think you're crazy.
0: I think I had one.
2: I think you're nuts.
0: There you go. You're really? Nuts. But I had like I had heart pain for hours.
2: How do you know it wasn't esophageal pain or stomach pain or you know those things? It was things right could, there. Well, your esophagus esophageal spasm can cause chest pain. And it
0: happened to happen right after I had Vivance.
2: Well, I think probably there was an element of anxiety associated you were with just it. Also,
0: freaking out anxiety. So you could have a heart attack where part does part of your heart die yes. during a heart attack. If the
2: the uh, the definition of a heart attack is, you know, lack of blood flow and oxygen to the heart. It can be temporary, and there could be minimal damage where you would never know that you had some kind of loss of oxygen to the to a portion of the heart or it can be bad and a large portion of the heart can be damaged and it could be permanent.
0: Okay, okay. So um, can you can you re-clear arteries without the um, bypass surgery? Like can you work out real hard and eat real well and then it cleans itself out?
2: The answer to that is kind of complicated, but some of the studies suggest that if you lower your LDL cholesterol low enough, usually below the level of 70% deciliters um or milligrams per deciliter i can't remember exactly what the label is for it but um yes there's evidence then you can reverse the coronary artery disease actually you know my buddy of mine who just had a heart attack said that they're trying to drive his ldls below close to 50 which is really very very low in order to try to reverse well medications um you know diet change dietary changes, exercise
0: What is a low what is a low caloric diet consist of <laughs> low in calories?
2: just low calories
0: just really low calories
2: that's it it's just low calories but
0: isn't it wouldn't it be less meat?
2: doesn't necessarily have to be less meat It's just lowering your calorie count
0: Doesn't too much protein strengthen your heart too much, like make it too thick. What, where, where makes thick, what
2: makes it thick, what makes your heart thick or mm-hmm. what's something called uh, myocardial hypertrophy is thickening of the muscle and that's usually related to high blood pressure, long-standing high blood pressure or athletes get it. Like um, marathon runners and how yeah, they die of like yeah, heart attacks. Yeah, because okay. they have really very... It's a thick muscle and the problem is that the blood vessels that supply that muscle are very small relative to the muscle that they feed. And um, if you make the muscle too thick, those blood vessels can't kind of like reach through the entire muscle to okay. to nourish it all. It's, it's not exactly like that, but kind of, sort of.
0: Okay. Um, and then Lauren, I'm sorry. I know you like have some questions from the audience mm-hmm. that you want to get to, but yes. what is the difference between a stroke and a pulmonary embolism?
2: Two totally different things.
0: Oh, I always thought they were similar because they were like well, blockages in the ve- in a vein or they, like... In, an, artery right, an artery.
2: Or a vein. Okay. Okay, so a stroke, two kinds of strokes basically, ischemic strokes and hemorrhagic strokes. Ischemic strokes is when there's something that clogs a blood vessel that feeds the brain. Something
0: that clogs the blood vessel that it's, feeds the, So it's brain-oriented. A
2: stroke is brain-oriented. Okay. Okay. Uh, it can be air it can be a blood clot it can be a little flick of uh, atherosclerosis or fatty deposit from arteries that go up and affect the brain
0: okay
2: that's an ischemic stroke a hemorrhagic stroke is something where the blood vessel bursts for whatever reason and, whether it's, it's high blood, blood pressure aneurysm? or an aneur- no, no pulmonary. An no that's an aneurysm that's oh a gosh, cerebral now aneurysm oh i got so
0: many things what's sense in a Pulmonary well, a embolism, a an, what? an aneurysm. let me finish the first okay. half okay. of the question.
2: Okay. So, so that's a stroke. A pulmonary embolism is yeah. when a blood clot generally uh, moves moves into the lung and occludes the ability of the heart to pump blood into the lungs. Okay. So
0: then it can can't be breathe.
2: massive. Or it can be tiny.
0: So you don't necessarily die from a pulmonary embolism no. all the time.
2: No, The saddle embolism is very dangerous, and what, what happens is the clot is so large that it comes up from usually the lower portion of your body, and uh, it occludes the pulmonary arteries. They're the that's the blood vessels from the right ventricle that pumps blood to the lungs. It's so big a clot that it blocks both sides, oh uh, God. and you can't breathe. Well, you can breathe, but you're not you're not exchanging any oxygen or carbon dioxide because your heart's not pumping anything anything through your lungs.
0: Okay, so is that instant that de- it's like instant death though, then, right? It
2: can be, is, that, can is, be, that can be that can be instant death.
0: Is an aneurysm what's instant death?
2: It doesn't necessarily an aneurysm doesn't necessarily have to be instant death. And it what can is an, be. an
0: aneurysm
2: then? So an aneurysm is a weakening of the wall of an artery. It can be anywhere. But we were talking specifically about cerebral aneurysms. Those are little outpocketing or pouches of weakness in the in the lining or the walls of arteries that feed the brain. I but, feel
0: like I'm gonna faint. Continue.
2: But uh, you can have you can have aneurysms anywhere. You, you most other common one is an aortic aneurysm, which is in your it's the large artery that comes off the heart um, and into the lower portion of the body.
0: Is that instant
2: death? It. Can be instant death, but most often there's a warning. There's usually a warning sign, which is Uh, belly pain or back pain.
0: And it's like within how long of the actual big crash?
2: Some people will have this tearing, you know, back pain, and still be stable. Come to the uh, the emergency room, get scanned, and they see that they have it. Okay. And you know, then make the decision is how to fix it at that that period of time, so, or whether you need to operate immediately. Or, or, and there's a couple of different operations to fix it.
0: Well, speaking of health, um, it's not just about you know your biological, physical health, but about your mental health. A lot about having a happy life and a healthy life. Yes, has to do with having good mental health. And that's where BetterHelp comes in, which is an online counseling
1: service that's there for you. And they connect you with professional counselors in a safe and private environment. And it's really, really convenient. And you can get the help on your own time and at your own pace. And you can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist.
0: Yeah. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and it's available via desktop, mobile web, um android mac all the things apple whatever you want to call it financial aid is available for those who qualify it's secure convenient and professional and they can help you with anything there's a huge list of it but just to name a few depression anxiety stress grief anger lgbt matters self-esteem um and you can try it out today with a um with a discount but
1: best, of Yeah. And best of all, it's affordable. So it's an affordable option. And I don't get it. Listeners get 10% off with your first month with the discount code, get it. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash get it. And you just have to simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you will love. And that's betterhelp.com slash get it. And don't forget to use the discount code, get it.
0: When people say like, "Oh, my mom has an aneurysm in her brain," they have to operate. That means like there's like a real weak no, artery no. in the brain that they need to like
2: They're, fix. It you know it depends upon how it presents itself. It, sometimes people will get symptoms before it ruptures. They'll do a you know generally an MRI and or an MRA, which is an angiogram, and um, they'll see these little berry aneurysms or outpocketings of the uh, of the artery. Uh, if they're symptomatic, if they have a what they call the worst headache of their life, that's the way yeah. people describe it. It's yeah. the worst headache of their life. That
0: doesn't go away with Advil.
2: That does go away with Advil. Um, and they get scanned. They are usually need to get fixed. And there's a couple of different ways to get them fixed now. I will tell you over the period of time that I've been in medicine, which is over it was almost 30 years, the treatment for all these things have become a lot better. Usually... It used to mean an operation. Nowadays, radiologists are able to do what they call coilings, where they can actually thread things through your groin or through your arm up into your brain. No
0: way! And they what?
2: Yes, and they how and they, do li- you
0: route that into your brain? That's what they do through kind of, what? Through what? Through
2: little catheters and wires.
0: A catheter goes through your neck and up to the brain.
2: No, usually it's done from the groin up the aorta and then up through the blood vessels, the carotid arteries, or the vertebral arteries to the brain.
1: Wacky. Wow. And then
2: they, they I, I really don't know, I don't know what the coils are made of offhand, but they are like these tiny near like microscopic coils that they just like puff into the aneurysm and it fills the aneurysm up and it causes clotting of the aneurysm. And they don't need uh, brain surgery if they're able to do it that way. If they can't coil it, then you have to go to surgery and you have to put a clip across the base of it. Mm.
0: Very intriguing. Which means that that's dead forever though, that aorta.
2: No, because no. all it is is it's a weak pocket on the side of the blood vessel generally. So the rest of the blood vessel is okay. There's just an area of it that's weak. Mm. And... um the risk, obviously, is if it's not done properly, that those little coils, instead of going into the aneurysms, can go up further into the brain and cause a stroke. So it's it's a very delicate, opera- not operation, but procedure.
1: Very crazy stuff. Here. Are you awake during that?
2: No. Okay. No, because the patient has to be still when they do that. If they move they can puncture the artery with the catheters that they're using. So the person has to be perfectly still.
1: So, okay. We have a whole bunch of like questions related to like your normal life, not really to... Anesthesia,
0: really? I don't know. So That's like daily life.
2: I I need to make it clear to the people who are listening to this. I'm an anesthesiologist, okay? So I'm giving you an anesthesiologist's view. I am not an expert in in aneurysms. I'm not an expert in coronary artery disease. But I'm giving you a basic knowledge of what a person learns in medical school and sees as part of their taking care of people every day. There are okay. a lot more details, and quite frankly, I could be making mistakes here, but I don't think so.
1: Okay. okay. Um, someone wants to know what your day-to-day looks like when you get to the hospital.
2: Um, I usually get up around 5 o'clock, uh, get ready. It takes about 35 minutes to get to work. I get to the hospital sometime around between 6.30, quarter to 7, depending upon my day. The operations start uh, generally at seven thirty, if unless you're doing a heart. Hearts start at a quarter to six and seven Why? o'clock.
0: Quarter to six? Yeah. A quarter to six in the morning? Why you do that?
2: Well, because they are long operations, and sometimes they want to do multiple operations in a day, and they also like to be done at a reasonable time. So they like to start a little bit early. And there's a lot more preparation of the patient for cardiac surgery than there is for a lot of other ones. Once you bring a patient in the room for a cardiac case, the anesthesia team generally has to do a lot of things before the patient's ready to have their surgery.
0: Uh, So our next sponsor, I'm wearing it. I'm I'm always wearing it. You're always wearing it. I'm always. And... It's it's great. It's like Lauren's thing is that like good style comes from having like good basics. Yeah, and Everlane, is good. all about having premium essentials with the, made of the finest material. Without the traditional markup. Yes, and
1: they want you to know why you're paying for what you're paying for. So first, they tell you their real costs, and they're radically transparent about every step in their process, from the materials they use to the ethical factories they work with. And I know we're all trying to get out of the fast fashion movement. So here we go. We have Everlane with amazing basics that you'll probably wear for. I don't know, I'll be wearing those jeans for like 20 years, I swear to God.
0: What did I said to you? I go, where'd you get those jeans yesterday? Yes, yes. And- because there's one company that I pretty much always wear <clears throat> my jeans from. Mm-hmm. You guys might know what it is, but when I saw Lawrence Everlyn, I was like, okay, I can give those a look. They're a little I more hipster,
1: like yeah. a little more relaxed. They're more like so, a boyfriend fit. Yes, yeah. and I love them. Yeah. And essentials like their Cotton Crew T shirt are exactly what they should be. Versatile,
0: simple, stylish, and made from quality materials. Can I also mention that um Angeline Jolie, the Today Show, and NPR all love Everlyn? And they've also been mentioned in Vogue. Well, Angelina Jolie wears it. That, apparently. So I mean
1: that's enough. Yeah. You know, enough said. I don't even have to say the others. Actually, right now is wearing the 100% cashmere sweater with a V-neck. It's so it's so good just to throw on and feel really really cozy. And then I have the um, mom jeans, and okay. I have a um, a cardigan, really really cute three button up. It's and perfect. What did I wear on Thanksgiving? Was that Evelyn too? On Thanksgiving, yeah. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Oh look at that. The turtleneck? Yes. Yeah. Very good. Um, and that premium Japanese denim made in the world's cleanest denim factory. So right now you can check out your personalized collection at Everlane dot com slash get it. Plus you'll get free shipping on your first order. That's Everlane dot com slash get it. Everlane dot com slash get it. Don't you have
0: to like stop all the blood to the heart? How do you do that? Well, that that's a that occurs
2: thing? in during the the operation itself.
0: How? Okay. Well, that's just mind-boggling but, to me. So but, there's no blood going through the heart, but then you put it on a machine so that, like the machine works as the heart. That is correct. Yeah, okay. All Which right, is so wacky. When was that discovered? When was heart surgery actually, like we can yeah, do this, this is, thing? This is so the, open
1: format. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I, I, I say know. it's
2: like we're digressing here. You ask me what well, I do every day, but okay. I want
1: to stick to the questions, the answers, okay? Okay, okay, but can he just answer this one? Fine.
2: Um, it, uh, bypass, uh, coronary artery bypass was probably started in the 50s. OK, um, I don't know that for a fact, but still that's pretty what, good. Yeah,
0: it's still like really recent. Like you were born in that mm-hmm. decade. Correct. <laughs> okay, like, OK, so you
1: get to the hospital. OK, so wrong. I get
2: to the hospital and um, in the place that I work, which is the, really the general OR, we do all sorts of different cases. We don't do any cardiac cases. We don't do any GYN cases and we don't do any OB cases, but anything else.
1: That's your department? What?
2: That's where I generally oh, work you. in that area of the hospital. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay.
1: And you used to do all those things though.
2: I, yeah. I, I used to do hearts many, many years ago. That's a whole different story. Hearts has changed so much over the time since uh, I've stopped doing it. It's it's really incredible the things that they do do today. Okay. Um. Back then, there were. Just, although it didn't seem straightforward to it, uh, to us at the time, they, right now, what we did back then is pretty straightforward compared to what they do today.
1: Oh, damn! So uh, you're out of the loop.
2: Well, I'm out of the loop in the sense that I don't do those things, and people who do uh, cardiac anesthesia now um, generally have a fellowship. They do a year beyond their residency in order to oh, okay. to do it. And there's a lot of different procedures that are coming up all the time that they have to do continuing medical education in order to be able to do. Interesting. Um, So I generally cover four operating rooms. We work in an anesthesia care team, which means that there's an anesthesiologist working with uh, CRNAs or Certified Registered Nurse Anesthetists. And, um, you know, I usually cover three to four rooms uh, at a time. And um, When you say
1: cover three to four rooms, people always wonder, like, like you go in, you give the anesthesia, and you leave, and that's your job is done. So do you want to clarify that? No,
2: my job is not done. Right. What, what happens is I, I evaluate the patient um, before they go back to the operating room to un- understand what their medical issues are that are going to impact the, uh, the anesthetic and the surgery. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the kind of surgery that the patient's having, too. We, I work with the uh, CRNA and come up with an anesthesia plan, what we're gonna do, whether it's gonna be general anesthesia, whether it's gonna be spinal. What's the difference between
0: general anesthesia and, like, well, local is you're awake and you're just like, it, you just put a little numbing shit, that's correct. right? So what's general versus what's the other, like, popular one? Regional. What does that mean? Like, a, like an epidural. Oh, that's like an epidural.
2: An, epidural. an epidural, a spinal. There are also- Are you
0: awake during a spinal?
2: Yeah, you can be. Let me say that you can be awake. We generally don't keep people awake because people don't like hearing what's going on in the operating room, yeah. especially. Is, is I like- always say, I always say to the people who are having total joints, like knees and hips, yeah. who we do spinals on all the time, yeah. that you know we're going to get you off to sleep at the same time. You're not going to have any breathing tubes or or anything like that. You're going to breathe on your own, just like you were sleeping in bed. But. Um, People just don't like hearing the hammers and saws that they're using for things like mm-hmm. hip surgery and knee surgery. Do you and, put them to stuff. sleep
0: so well that they don't wake up for that?
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, like that's they're, they're sedated. They're heavily sedated. There's the possibility that you could wake up. If you do, it's no big deal because mm-hmm. you're numb you know, from your waist down or the middle of your chest down or whatever.
0: Is a C-section of spinal?
2: Uh, or most of the time, not all the time, but majority of the time. Um, so to get back to what we were talking about, um, so we'll evaluate it, we'll come up with a plan, we'll discuss it with each other, what we're going to do, how we're going to monitor the patient. Sometimes it's as simple as just monitoring them with a blood pressure cuff, a pulse oximeter to measure the amount of oxygen in your blood, and an EKG. And that's pretty much it. But if you have other underlying medical problems where we have to have better control of your blood pressure um, or there's this, uh, the expectation that there's going to be a significant amount of blood loss during the procedure, we may put something called an arterial line in, which is an IV, but instead of it going into a vein in your arm, it goes into an artery in your wrist directly and we put it, hook it up to a pressure transducer and we actually measure the pressure of blood pressure directly so we know what your blood pressure is beat to beat and uh, it gives us a little bit more control and a little more information about being able to take care of people mm. we also can put in intraven- large intravenuses that go in people's necks or under underneath their collarbone called central lines mm. we do that for a lot of different reasons, some of which is to be able to give a lot of fluid or blood through if we have to or to infuse uh, very potent medications that affect blood pressure and heart rate.
0: So is that generally for people who aren't in the best shape?
2: Um, yes and no. You're probably more likely to put monitoring like that in people who are older and have more medical problems. Um, but if you, a young person was coming to surgery and there was an expectation that there was going to be a lot of blood loss, we would do it for them too. Would do you put a like central
1: for- line in when they're asleep already?
2: Generally, yes. If you're really, really sick, and you know, we like we might decide to put it in when you're awake. But the vast majority of them have it put in after they're asleep. I
1: can imagine putting something in your neck when you're awake like, is. Well, remember
2: we sedate you. Yeah. If we do it awake, you're sedated. We use local anesthetic to numb up the area a little bit, so it's not as bad as it would seem.
0: It's winter time, and the place that I always discover the best moisturizers and exfoliants, which I always find is super, well, they're crucial for me to get all those little dead, dry skin cells off during the winter. Um, I find them all from FabFitFun. I love FabFitFun. Um, I think you guys know that if you follow me, you're pretty familiar with FabFitFun over the past couple of years. It's a seasonal subscription box. You get four a year, and it's chock full of amazing beauty, lifestyle, fitness, stuff.
1: Yeah. I also think it's just a really good gift to give because...
0: Oh, it's an amazing the- gift to give because then you give a gift, and it's four times a year. It comes four times a year.
1: Amazing. And there's so Like, when you open the box, you're like, wow, there's so much stuff it's in here. It's very aesthetically pleasing. So someone that you're giving this gift for like they 're bound to be obsessed with something in this box, and they it just looks like very presentable in a gift box already,
0: yeah, and the boxes come with eight to ten full size full size products that 's also very um unique you know yeah. a lot of them will come a lot of subscription boxes come with little taste testers. It is usually $49.99, but with our code, which is it GETIT, G-E-T-I-T, you're going to get $10 off your first box at FabFitFun.com. So for $39.99, you can get a box, a seasonal box, four times a year with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. And the thing that I think is so amazing about this is that the value of the box is always over $200. And I say this... But I think it's been over like $300 for yeah. a long time. They um, are really good brands, really good brands. Again, what I love so much about it is that you can get, you can discover so many products with this box. And also you can personalize your products these days um, because they have a lot of options. So you can go to our website, fabfitfun.com and explore and become more familiar with the brand and the products and also curate the box specifically to you. So again, head over to com. use the code getit GETIT to get $10 off your first box. Okay,
1: so your surgeries go till what time?
2: Well, surgeries go all day. I mean, because of the nature of our business and because surgeries go through the whole day, um, we generally have works work shifts. We, you know, the the normal shift is from, is from 7 to 4 if you're not on call. But if you're on call and we have more than – we have 18 people who are on call every day and we kind of like peel off as the day goes on, they, they take over and uh, we just do it round the clock.
1: So the people that are on call take like the emergency room cases that go immediately into surgery.
2: Well, the, the, the business of medicine is such nowadays that elective surgery is being done later and later and later into the day, into the night. So it's not just Why's emergency that? surgeries. Why is that? Um, that's a good question. Some of it is the desire of the hospital system in order to be able to deliver a certain level of care in their community. Um, the other is because <coughs> you know you're doing emergency cases and traumas that come in, and there's no time limit to they can happen any anytime or any day um, Surgeons are busier. The reason that they're busier is because the population is aging, and because the population is aging, they're getting sicker. And- you mean the
1: baby boomers are getting older? Yes,
2: and they're requiring more procedures. Boomers, there's
1: <laughs> boomers.
2: There, relative to the number of patients there are, there mm-hmm. are less docs and nurses and CRNAs. Um, and when you put all those things together, it means that you're working longer and later.
0: Why are there less doctors and nurses now?
2: Well, uh- the absolute number is not less, but relative to the number of people that are having surgery, th- th- there's no, there's not as much escalation in the number of providers relative to the amount of people who are having surgery. Not and getting necessarily sick. less
1: doctors, just more people to take Correct. care. Correct. Okay. Um, and, um, wait, uh, this well, brings me since you were talking about the hospital system and okay. all this. This one person wants to know how much the medical world is dedicated by money from the pharmaceutical companies. Um, that was written
0: on my end, end the podcast with a deep. Mm-hmm. deep political well, I shit think that
1: we <laughs> well about the
2: i mean it's it, it's it's an issue um it's a it's it's an issue okay
0: we'll dive deep into this because i think a lot of people are interested in
2: it you specifically ask the question again because it's
0: specifically how much of the medical world is
1: dedicated dictated by money from the pharmaceutical companies so they're distributing where the money goes, I guess. The pharmaceutical companies. I think, like, I
0: think the no, big there's question-
2: influence okay. by the pharmaceutical companies on what physicians use. Okay. okay. Yes. Yes. There's, there's a lot of that. Um, I don't know how to address that issue. It, it, reps come in all the time and try to sell you products. Okay. Um, there's. At least in what I do, there's no, this is really going to be good. a good word, quid pro quo in all these things that's going on. Like if I do this for mm-hmm. you, I'll do, you know, I'll get something in return. It's a very popular phrase nowadays. Um, it's just that... Um, there is influence because you know they'll they'll come in and they'll give you lunch or they'll come in and take you they'll take you out to dinner. Yeah. Um, and on some psychological level, I'm sure that the reason that they do it is they know that you're influencing your decision to use a particular drug uh, as a result of the fact that they're wooing you by giving you bagels, giving you lunch.
0: You guys you know, need to have from a backbone.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, like. do I go in the OR and say I'm going to use this drug because so and so just gave me bagels this morning? No. no, I don't. I don't consciously do that.
0: But how But how I, I, I don't know whether I are? do it
2: unconsciously. Okay.
1: Wouldn't someone just use a drug that works properly? Yeah.
2: Is yes, it all but like sometimes brand? sometimes the drug the, the the difference between the how effective the drugs are may not necessarily mean that it's worth paying more money for one over the the other.
0: Okay. So can I like put this into terms that it maybe our audience will understand? Sure. Yeah. With botox <laughs> there's botox which is what everybody it's like Kleenex of um Tissues. botulinum toxin. Okay. So that is like you know, Kleenex to tissues. Yeah. Then there's Disport, which is another alternative, which works just the same. And then there's a new one on the market called Xenofmian or whatever.
2: Okay, so what so do- those
0: are three different ones that do the exact same thing. They freeze wherever your muscle is.
2: They, so, but but the rep the reps must say be coming to the docs and saying this is better because
1: yeah, I'm sure. So from the makers of BarkBox, meet Super Chewer. And this monthly subscription box launched two years ago to cater towards active dogs who play harder and demand a challenge. So each month, you and your dog receive an innovative, immersive adventure of tough toys and treats designed for dogs that chew harder and jump higher, run faster, and fetch further.
0: So what you do is you choose a plan. A 1, 6, or 12-month plan is available. Shipping is free inside the 48s. United States. Um, All plans are billed monthly. They also ship to Canada as well, and they ship to all the U.S. states. You can find out all the pricing when you head over to superchewer.com slash... I-D-G-I. You get 50% off your first Super chewer box when you visit SuperTour.com slash I-D-G-I. And subscribe to a six or 12-month plan. And plus get free shipping for life in the continental United States. So if you have a big active dog. Yes. Well, maybe it doesn't have to be big, but no, it has to be... A player, and a also, real player.
1: If this, if you're like maybe like dating a new guy and he has like a big dog and he's obsessed with his dog or something, I think this is a really good Christmas gift because you're not really giving him like if you're just starting dating, you're not really giving him a gift. Or you're giving his dog a gift, which basically means more to him than a gift for himself. And they can play uh, rough and be adorable. And each month's box comes with two innovative tough toys, two meaty chews, and two full size bags of treats. That's pretty dank honestly
0: also the designers create all natural rubber and nylon toys that are interactive like there's puzzles um treat lock systems pool toys fetching flings like these are these are not your standard squeaky toys no 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 no, they're not
1: okay so go over to uh, where are we going actually superchewer.com slash idgi yes and get
0: 50 percent off your first superchewer box so, like, you guys in anesthesia have a whole bunch of the same drugs that do the same thing, kind of like Tylenol, Advil, uh, Excedrin, all that stuff. And then you kind of like pick and choose which one you just like better. No, or is it like really like branded to you? Kind of like no. You're like- I
2: mean, for just to get to what you're get to what you're alluding to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Tylenol would be better for somebody that I'm worried about bleeding on, okay? So if somebody's in yeah. pain but I'm worried that they're going to bleed, then I'm going to try to give them Tylenol rather than giving them the Advil. Um, if, by the same token, uh, if somebody's pain is moderate enough that I can give them Advil or ibuprofen, whatever you want to yeah. say, and not give them narcotics... Then I'm going to give him the Advil because of the side effects from the narcotics and the potential for abuse. I
0: don't think that's what I'm saying so, though. No, there's just little pros and cons to every there little are, pros Tropicana and- versus Minute Maid. They're both orange juice. One may taste better to you personally than the other. But are you influenced by branding? By branding, I suppose. By branding and like the pharmaceutical reps being kind and fun and like when it comes down to really or like just generic things, one generic over the other, one one brand over the other.
2: I, you know, it doesn't. I, I can only speak personally and say it doesn't really enter into my decisions very much at all. But that being said, they must be doing what they're doing because they know that they have. In, it has an influence. Okay. okay. I
0: think the bigger question here is what. So many people will say is, we're not finding cures for cancer, Alzheimer's, blah, blah. Because people are making money off off the the drugs. drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, in defense of the drug companies... I have a defense uh, for it, too. It's pretty obvious. You know, they do do make a lot of money. They are public companies. They are beholden to their shareholders. And um, people invest in them, and they want to give their, their investors a return. Um. As a result of people investing in those companies, they're spending a lot of money, you know, trying to come up with making new effective drugs. Um, I don't know the answer. How much profit is too much profit? I mean, it it takes a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of energy in order to and a lot of know-how in order to make the drugs that uh, are advancing medicine.
0: Okay. Uh, you know,
2: I don't know what the right answer is.
0: I feel like it's, to me, the obvious answer is if we were to find a cure for cancer, which isn't necessarily like in a plant, you know, mm-hmm. wouldn't they just just make money off of distributing that cure, that cure, that pill, a cure in a pill form?
2: Yeah, but this this notion that one company and one drug is going to cure cancer is... is it's not. It's not reality. If cancer is so many different diseases. That one drug is not gonna do it.
0: What do you mean so many different diseases? It's just the multiplication of a toxic cell.
2: Yeah, but there's you know, there's so many different kinds of cancers. There's adeno you know, I, I don't want to get into two there's leukemias and lymphomas and gastric sure, cancers but and let's lungs. just lungs. They're all different.
0: Let's just use one for an example. Like what if one drug company found the cure for leukemia? Then like wouldn't they just end up instead of making money off chemo, they'd end up making money off of
2: the cure. That company probably doesn't make the chemo.
0: So, I mean,
2: it's I a
1: whole thing. So. But do you
0: believe that they are being like slow to find cures for certain no, things because no. of pharmaceuticals? No, I don't,
2: I don't believe that.
1: No, just because like they basically have cures for like AIDS right now and they sell that.
2: Part of the dilemma, obviously, is that there are lots of diseases that are very rare. And because they're rare, there's no not much return on investment. Again, you're trying to mix medicine with 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 business, and yeah. they don't all they don't always mix. I mean, I I agree. You know, I believe that they don't mix. So people who have um, these rare tropical diseases, so it, and there only happens, you know, you know, thousand people have it or ten thousand people have it. To sp- Spend from the business side to spend millions and millions of billions of dollars to try to find a cure for those particular diseases. There's no return on investment. I get They're going to spend I'm billions about of dollars. Big to-
0: diseases that like everybody knows somebody who's had it.
2: What's your question my, about that?
0: My question is: a lot of people insinuate that like the medical world doesn't find cures because they make money off
2: sick people. I, you know, I. I might be naive, but I don't believe it.
0: So, Okay.
2: I don't believe it. Now, uh, I, I will that. admit that there are companies that are making lots of money discovering you know, new drugs. Um, how much of that profit is reasonable? I don't know who can answer that question.
1: Okay, moving on, because it can be like a political debate, basically, is, for it, years it, it, and
2: years. It's not – I don't know that it's a political debate. It's a philosophical debate, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it can become political. I but. have
1: the political debate if you want to wait
0: till the end for that.
1: Okay, cool. Um, let's see another good one. A lot of people want to know about why you chose – I didn't really
2: answer that other person's question about the my The end day. of the day? Yeah. yeah. So,
1: okay, so wrap up your day, and then <laughs> I
2: have another question for you. <laughs> So, in any given day, I can have been involved in, you know, you know, sometimes 16, 17 su- surgeries, taking care of 16 or 17 patients. Um, so, at the end of the day, you know, 4 o'clock comes around, you know, I get relieved. I probably were started some uh, cases and another one of my partners will come in and take over um, and I go home. Or if I'm on call, then... We, um, I just keep on going until I'm not needed anymore. So the day, the, the shortest day that I'll be there in my particular job will be nine hours. Okay. Nine, nine, maybe 10 hours. There are a lot of, uh, I have a very, very busy, acute practice. Um
0: Like does acute in this I mean in a circumstance?
2: It means that the people are really very sick. Oh. Um, and, uh. There are a lot of places, An anesthesiologists, if people are, that's why they're asking the question, they're interested in this. Anesthesiologists can work in ambulatory surgery centers, which are busy. Uh, there, It's rapid turnover, short cases, unlike mine, which are longer, more complicated procedures. And places like that, people can get out early. Is that or-
0: because, like, Fairfax Hospital is, like, the go-to place for, like, major surgeries? It's, like, more of, like, the...
2: It's a like, regional referral center. It's, a ter- it's the only tertiary care trauma center in um, in Northern Virginia. Okay, so
0: it's like the most highly respected. It was, uh, is that well, bad you know, if you, wanna, if you want to
2: if you want to get into the U.S. Neuro news report kind of report things, it, it was voted the number one hospital in the Washington D.C. metro area. Okay,
0: so if you're really sick, you go to you go to Fairfax. If you have a broken leg, you go to like. Mm. So, well, well, I won't, well, I won't shame any it, it, other restaurant. But it restaurant.
2: depends. I mean, a lot Hospital. of, if you broke your leg because due to significant trauma, you're going to come to Fairfax because the orthopedic surgeons in the other hospitals either don't have the experience or the expertise to take care of them or don't want to.
1: Okay. So one I got a couple times is do redheads actually require more anesthesia? No. Have you ever heard this? Yes. Okay. So what is the story?
0: What is it? Get close to the mic, sir.
2: Actually, without being, I'm not trying to discriminate or anything <laughs> about this, but they can be a little bit more of a pain in the ass to take care of than other people. What? what yeah, I mean, Why it's is just, that? now, I, it's just, I don't know. They, they're, they <laughs> they're a little different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't mean it, again, I don't mean it in any bad way. I love redheads, okay, but, um, when I always do this. When I, when I walk into the pre-op area and I walk in to see a patient and they're red, I look and the first thing I say is, you're a redhead. Dad.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. So that's so, so funny. please,
2: redheads of the world, please don't hate me. But there, there's, I don't know whether they're wives' tales or not. They say that sometimes they're more difficult to anesthetize. It takes more medications. And there might be something genetic about that, yeah, frankly, yeah. because... There are genes that are responsible for metabolizing the drugs that we give, and it might be that red, being a redhead is correlated with having those genes that are, have, are decreased or increased metabolizers. They also say they tend to bleed a little bit more.
1: I can kind of see that. Um, um. Another question. We could kind of just Wait, go wrap. I feel like fire. Dad has more okay. to say oh, Okay. okay. To rap-
2: well, I just I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to be prejudicial here. It's Obviously just that, that, not, because yeah. we got a
1: couple comments. Of, yeah. Like it's a known thing out there, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Oh,
0: I like this question. What? Do you believe in natural medicines such as acupuncture, oils, chiropractic work, Holistic et medicine. Holistic
2: medicine. I think they have their place. They in, uh, I you know they're not the end all and be all to everything acupuncture there's a lot of anesthesiologists that learn acupuncture in order to help people with pain uh, pain management and pain syndromes um chiropractors have their place no no question about it they help a lot of people i don't you know personally whether or not anything they do has an effect on internal medical issues i'm not qualified to say um and uh, you know Herbs, well, let me tell you, you know, a lot of people taking ginkgo biloba and they're taking stuff to, to sleep at night and so forth and they end up working. And Melatonin actually,
1: works for you.
2: Well, it's, Melatonin does. Actually, I hate the dreams that you have on a melatonin. But um, the, the important thing about the holistic stuff is the people who are taking those supplements, they have sometimes have a significant effect on surgery and anesthesia specifically, um, most of them affect your bleeding. So we ask people to stop them 7 to 14 days before they have anesthesia and surgery.
1: Okay. Uh, any advice for someone who's seriously considering anesthesiology as a specialty? She's a, This year, girl is a fifth-year medical student and also... Okay, well, second question. That's the question for now.
2: You can't have a strong ego and to go into anesthesia. There is just something about the specialty and generally the people who go into it that they don't engender as much respect from people as let say a cardiac surgeon or an internist or something like that. You know, when you, know when you, for instance, when I get phone calls in a hospital and the nurses on the floor call or, mm-hmm. or, or, or PAs or some will call and they don't know who I am, they'll say, is this anesthesia? Well, frankly... <laughs> No, I'm not anesthesia. I'm Dr. Iconetti. So oh, there's anesthesia. This, there is yeah. this this lack of respect for the specialty and for what we do. And a lot of it is because we tend, I think, to be kind of passive. We don't like confrontation. And we just go roll with the, with the punches. So, it's
1: like anesthesia is here. Like this yeah, whole exactly. It's not
2: here. Dr. Yeah. So, it's not. So, anesthesia is here. Oh,
0: okay. So,
2: that, you know... If if that kind of thing's gonna bother you, it's probably not the specialty to go into.
0: It's funny because in sitcoms and in movies, whenever there is an anesthesiologist present, they always are like the nerdy, like the sidekick character.
2: Well, and it's there's there's some truth to that. We're kinda geeky. You know, we like technology. Um we like we like to see the results. We we don't we're not patient at all. We like to do something and see the results of it right away, um, if you're—that's why a lot of people won't go into internal medicine because it's all chronicity. Oh, you, it's you know like you're taking if care of people. Right. Yeah. this is like your blood pressure's high. I'm giving you this drug. Yeah. It's coming down.
0: Got it. Um, wait, can we also just talk about how Grey's Anatomy makes fun of anesthesia? Like so much. There was like a there was like an episode where they like so much belittled it.
1: It was the that guy who was um, he used to be. He changed com- professions into, into it, remember? That black guy who yeah, changed Yeah, I mean, Miranda's.
0: Wasn't that Miranda's husband? Miranda. Yeah. Who's Miranda? No, he was an anesthesiologist then wanted to become a surgeon or something.
2: Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's actually, it usually works the other way around. Oh. A lot of people go into something, don't like it, and then they go into anesthesia. It's okay. much more, that's much more common.
0: Yeah. Grace fans, I'm sorry if it's been a couple of years since I followed regularly. So I'm so sorry I, I got my I facts mean, wrong I mean,
2: I have a particular interest in this person's question. Yeah. I mean, I want to really answer it again. And so you shouldn't have, you, you know, if you got, don't have a strong ego, you shouldn't go into it. If you, if you do need, have a strong ego. Well, no. If you, if you, somebody who can take all that. You know, criticism or degradation or whatever you want to call it, just being called anesthesia, yeah. so forth. You have to have a strong ego. You got to say, you know um, what? I'm not going to let that bother me because okay. I know what I do, and obviously you don't.
0: Yeah, but don't or, you think surgeons have the biggest ego because they, they think they're like they do God's work?
2: They do have. They yes, they do.
0: Um, but aren't there certain stereotypes for each profession? And, I mean, yeah, each absolutely, each concentration,
2: absolutely.
0: And, so, and like just you do said, it real
2: quick, like well, the anesthesiologist is the nerdy computer guy, geeky kind of guy. Uh, the surgeon is kind of like the soldier. What's going to go get in there and get this done? <laughs> you know, <laughs> cardiac surgeons. You know, I'm just telling you, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. They are the control freaks beyond. I mean, they know everything, do everything, want everything. Cardiologists are.
0: What's there to cardiologist and a heart surgeon?
2: Cardiologists, I gotta tell you, colleagues, if you're out there listening to me, cardiologists <laughs> or whatever, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm not bashing Yeah, This is just, I go into rooms that cardiologists train, and there are like tons of people in there helping them because it's like, I want this, I want that, get me this, get me that. They, they're very, they're kind of needy or princes and princes kind of things, kind of people. Um, but what is
0: the difference between a cardiologist and a in a car and cardio surgeon?
2: A cardiac surgeon is a surgeon, a cardiologist doesn't do any surgery. Oh. He he'll, he'll do procedures, you know, invasive procedures but doesn't do any t- real surgery.
0: No open heart.
2: Uh no, no okay. open heart. Um, I find ENT docs to be extremely compulsive and anal and and controlling. I can see that. Um uh, That's ear nose and throat. OBGYNs, for you guys. I'm I'm telling you, I'm going to get some hate mail here. Oh no. <laughs> like, they, you know, are uh, they are stereotypes. These are by there's, definition
0: there's, there's, stereotypes.
2: Uh, uh, OBGYNs, no OBGYN when it comes to anything else like can, can you look at this EKG for me? What does this lab mean? They kind of like they I get the sense that a lot of them, not all of them, you know, kind of like forget a lot of the medicine and they rely on anesthesiologists to do that for them. That's actually Part of the anesthesiologist's role is to kind of be the internist of the operating room. We have a lot of no, a little knowledge about a lot of things because mm-hmm. we have to take care of people who have all these different things. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of times surgeons, orthopedic surgeons are the jocks. They're all, you know, but it's like they have this joke on the internet. You know, I have a patient in the emergency room. He has a broken leg. <laughs> I need to fix it. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, the the patients uh, in cardiac arrest and we're doing CPR on him. I need to break fix his broken leg. So
0: you a know, little it's bit like- more like a uh, caveman, just like yeah, the caveman. more like Man. basic, the, just it, it,
2: basic. Yeah, caveman.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Another question. Um, this girl's boyfriend is in his residency to be an anesthesiologist and she is concerned about the work-life balance once he's in attending.
2: Uh, well, of all the specialties, it probably offers you the most ability to f- be flexible enough to to balance that work life uh, issue that you're you're talking about. Okay. Um, I will say that, and again, I'm, we're going to get hate mail for this. It's ge- that's generally the millennial approach to things. I mean, when I interview new docs now. That is more of their concern than anything else is what, how they're going to be able but to balance.
0: That sh- should we shame them for that? Isn't no, that important, important to put family life for, like, no, first?
2: Like, I'm not, I'm not shaming them all. I'm just making, uh, stating a fact based on my experience that there is a more of an emphasis on the work life balance now than ever before. Whereas, but generally, when people went into medicine, they knew that it was going to be very, very demanding. It was going to consume a lot of their life and um, and they were willing to do it. And there was, they weren't as much concerned about the work-life balance as they are now. Uh, it's probably a good thing that, that they are, and especially because medicine has changed too. It's gotten much more demanding. We're doing much more complicated, complicated things. And I guess... When you start to talk to people at my uh, point in my career later on in life, if they look back, they would probably say, you know what? I probably should have taken a little more time and spent mm-hmm. it with my with my family. So, no, I don't criticize them for it. I'm just telling you it's more of an issue for people than it was before.
0: Uh, when I was with Dr. Bittar yesterday, he's a plastic surgeon, you guys, he um, said that dermatology, because I said that was like, sometimes I think like I wish I had gone the dermatology route, the complete opposite of broadcasting um but he said that dermatologists work their hardest before getting into their specialty because it's so hard to get into and then they have the easiest of all doctor jobs once they actually get into it why is it so sought after because it does create that work life balance so perfectly and there's no emergencies
2: probably yeah, it is back in, again. I can only comment on what it was like back in the day that and I was in today, my residency.
0: It must be even more sought yeah. after because it's uh, so cosmetic.
2: It was like really difficult to get a, a derm uh, position or in a residency. It was like the most difficult thing. There were very very few spots for lots of people. Whether that's changed or not now, I don't know. But yeah, there are no emergencies. You know, you have your you have your office hours. You decide how much. You know, you want to work. How much vacation time you want? I will tell you though that they really understand internal medicine or medicine a lot because a lot of the things that they see are the outward expression of internal diseases, Mm -hmm. and they pick up a lot of things. Actually, Doctor Lucos's son, when he had lymphoma, he had lesions on his scalp, Mm -hmm. and when the dermatologist looked at it, he said, "This is a problem." Okay, uh-huh. so give them some credit. They are first of all, they're really, really smart people. They are smart, and uh, in, in part because they get weeded out mm-hmm. because it's such a competitive field, and they know a lot of medicine. They're just fortunate enough that they don't deal with a lot of emergency or, or emergencies, and um, that's the nature of the business. And- I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be looking at people's skin all day. Yeah. I'd probably, you know, You'd it'd probably drive get- me crazy. Actually, um, I
0: would love that. I would love that. <laughs> um, what? Tell everybody what an internist is if they don't know what that is, because that's like your regular checkup doctor. Because I think a lot of people are like, "Oh, uh, you know," and what's an internist? It's not an intern. What's the difference between intern? Yeah, no, it's
2: internal medicine. We, We call them internists, but it's internal medicine. They are, I mean, they're they're what everybody's idea of what a doctor is. They learn a lot about internal medicine, about medicine, about pathology, about disease, about. Uh, therapeutics and how to um, treat those diseases uh, they 're not they're they 're more generalists in the sense that they know a wide breadth of medicine and then what they end up doing is generally concentrating on one specialty or another endocrinology um, uh, hematology chemo uh, oncology so they do residency they learn a the wide breadth of pathology and disease and then a lot of them will then focus in on one given area of uh, of medicine
1: very intriguing father now have you heard anything about treating depression with ketamine
2: <laughs> absolutely oh wait, <laughs> really, really? Ke- okay. ketamine Both of us let just me you, so no so let me tell you about ketamine First of all, it's kind of like a derivative of fencyclidine, which is angel dust.
0: What's angel okay. dust?
2: Angel dust is, is a drug? hallucinogenic drug.
0: But that's what ketamine, when we know, we laughed at it because it it's is- a horse tranquilizer. It's a horse tranquilizer. It is. It's that, a, can I That is a recreational drug. Yes.
2: It can be used as a recreational okay. drug. It, it's a hallucinogenic drug. And generally, the hallucinations that people get are horrific- I mean, it's not... I can't believe that people use it for fun because...
0: Lord, <laughs> do you have a separate experience? No,
1: I've never used it before, I swear to God. No, I'm
2: telling you, <laughs> it's... The, the dreams that people have are horrible. Actually, So let's go back a step. It's used often in anesthesia, and it's being used more often now than it probably ever was before. It's an intense analgesic, which means that it does a great job of taking care of pain. Um, It it causes stimulation of the central nervous system. So most of the things that we use when we put people to sleep, depress the central nervous Mm -hmm. system, depress the heart, lower the blood pressure. Ketamine, on the other hand, you give it, and it can actually raise the blood pressure. Mm. Um, So we use it a lot or... We use it for trauma where people who come in have really, really low blood pressure or low heart rates or unstable. So when we get them off to sleep, you can use ketamine and it smorts the blood pressure. It also, unlike the drugs that we use, it doesn't stop people from breathing. It actually stimulates breathing a little bit. So uh, that's another benefit for it under the circumstances of, of, of a trauma or or somebody who has an, an airway that uh, you're concerned about. So it gets, it gets a bad rap because of it, its the hallucinogenics. And um, there's a ways, there are ways of getting around people having bad reactions and bad dreams. And since so you give a, something called the benzodiazepine before you give it, which is uh, like Valium or Versed, if you give that first, and you should always give that when you give ketamine, by the way, and any, in large doses, because otherwise you're setting somebody up for having a terrible, terrible hallucinations.
0: Huh. People, like under, under? Yeah. Like when they're people, sleeping? And- people
2: will say when you give it to them that they were looking at the operating room lights. Mm-hmm. And the operating room lights were these worlds that were exploding and arms coming out. Oh my God. Or they had third arms or or an extra leg or things. I mean, it's like crazy stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had ketamine? No. Okay.
2: So. (laughs) so, Don't
1: worry, Dad. Lauren hasn't had ketamine. Here's what's
2: important. So I told you all the things about ketamine, why it's good, why it's bad. But most recently, there are two things that it's being used for
0: excuse me ethel is digging at the hardwood for some reason that's very bizarre. interesting why is ethel doing that
2: dad <laughs> i don't know okay so it's being used for two things nowadays one pain post operative pain in low doses in sub anesthetic doses in doses way lower than what you would give somebody to get them off to sleep mm-hmm. it actually like i told you was intensely analgesic
0: you it mean doesn't, what analgesic means? Analgesic
2: means it's pain. No, no, no. Oh. Analgesic means it stops pain. Okay. Um, on really low doses that don't affect your brain to the point where you're getting hallucinations, it can really help reducing the amount of narcotic that you need after surgery mm. in order to manage your pain. So we're putting a lot of people on low doses of ketamine to be what we call narcotic sparing, especially in, with all this stuff going on with narcotic uh, the narcotic, Problems. Yeah, this is a way for us to reduce the amount of narcotic that you give people and still take care of their pain.
0: So it'd be great for people who are drug addicts and they are having surgery.
2: Uh, yes. Okay. And, and then- one more thing. Yeah. To get to the point depression. about depression. Yeah. There are clinics popping up all over the place where people are getting ketamine for the management of depression. I don't know the doses they give, how long they do it, but there's evidence out there that it's effective. I we spoke I spoke to one of the um, psychiatrists to do electroconvulsive therapy at uh, the hospital
0: mm-hmm.
2: about it, and he said. You know, it's a fad right now. It may work for some people, but it's not the kind of thing that's going to replace, you know, ECTs in any way and all the other antidepressants for depression.
0: Why do you have an idea why they'd be more like what there would be pluses to using ketamine over antidepressants?
2: I'm out of my league. I, okay. I don't I don't know. The, oh, well, probably because of the side effects.
0: Well, yeah, the side effects yeah, of antidepressants of,
2: and the side effects. No, the side effects of ketamine.
0: Would be a reason not, not to, to, to use, use them. It. Okay, yeah. um,
2: but again, they're using really small doses.
1: So, someone wants to know if people ever confess deep, dark secrets <laughs> to you after they've been injected with anesthesia. No, no, you nah. get nothing juicy. Doesn't,
2: nah, you know, as people go off to sleep and they get disinhibited, you know, <laughs> just like you would have a couple of drinks, they might say something. They ever like they hit would, on you? What? <laughs> n- n- well. <laughs> Oh, no. you have
0: a funny story. No,
2: I mean you know people will say, "Oh, your eyes look so nice." as they're drifting off to sleep oh, or something hilarious. like that? You know? Oh, that's
0: so sweet. Uh,
2: something you know, something like that. But you
1: probably get immune to it after doing it for thirty years. That it's not funny
0: anymore.
2: It's always funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's you never you never get uh, it never gets too old.
0: Well. Lauren, you want to have, end it with a fun
1: question? Um, I think I use up all my fun questions, but actually, I saw another one. Do you poop while you're under general anesthesia?
2: Rarely,
0: but it. But does you
1: happen. lose control over your bowels, yes.
2: Yeah, but you know it doesn't happen. It really doesn't happen very often at all.
0: And is it not like embarrassing even if it does? You won't know you're asleep. Well, yeah, but when you wake up, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I'm telling you, it's uh, if I, you know, if I had four sets of hands and I said it happened twenty times in my entire thirty years, I'd say that was probably uh, an exaggeration. It just uh, just doesn't happen that much. All right. So people worry about it all the time. Doesn't.
0: Hmm. Okay, I didn't know. All right. Well, I think it's very informative. Thank you all for joining us. I was definitely in it. I was listening. I liked it. If you guys like it, let us know. Message boards. And uh, we'll, we'll talk try to We'll try and get soon. Steve on the podcast
1: next. Yeah, my
2: buddy Steve would be great. we got to yeah. get him doing it.
1: Okay. Yeah. Alright, Bye, Bye, guys. I Don't
0: Get It Podcast.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Weave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.